Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. (sighs) Relax this Sunday with a little moment to yourself and the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to OKF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording back again in the Brooklyn bunker. Folks, coming up in the show today, um, we did a little switcheroo, is my conversation with our in-house doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzel. Jonathan and I, as you all have known, if you've been listening to Woke AF for the last two years in the pandemic, have been talking every single week. And every single week we get on and we try and work through ideas and solutions and, you know, try and have some levity on issues that are just becoming so heavy to carry. In the conversation this week, however, Jonathan and I have nothing good to offer. I say that up front. I almost feel like I want to apologize because I'm exhausted and I know that you all are too. What we are living through is not normal. It's not normal. It's not normal to be living with this level of fear and anxiety and frustration and anger and disappointment and grief on a daily basis. I had the great honor um, earlier in the week to host the Ms. Foundation for Women's um, Gala, The Future is Feminist. And it was the first gala since uh, the pandemic. And if you don't know about the Ms. Foundation for Women, they are the largest uh, philanthropic women-led organization in the country founded uh, one of the most famous founding mothers um, being Gloria Steinem. And I've been on the board of the Ms. Foundation for um, several years. And when I opened up my speech, you know, I had a really difficult task, which is people have come together to gather for the first time Many people, this is their first major event and they're taking a risk, right? As we are seeing 
COVID numbers back on the rise, as you've seen now that the White House has begun once again doing their COVID briefings that they had stopped doing for the last six weeks and have once again started. And so this comes on the heels after the leaked draft of uh, the decision to overturn Roe v. Wade and open up a whole other uh, bag of cases uh, that were never meant to be understood by way of the founding fathers. And so I guess everything now, according to Justice Alito uh, and his Federalist Society buddies, that everything is on the table. Everything that America has gained in terms of rights um, for marginalized communities and communities that weren't even seen as human, uh, like the black community, everything is on the fucking table. And so at the gala, I had a difficult task to both bring in a, a sense of optimism uh, and hopefulness, which you all know I'm not great at, and then also tell people the truth. And here's the thing that I said. I, you know, I, I, I recounted a tweet that I read earlier in the week, you know, by a, a journalist who said, you know, good morning, Twitter. What fresh hell do you have for me today? That's literally how I feel every morning. Nothing has gotten better. And so I find myself some days where I am crying in the middle of the day and I'm like, what is going on? Because the stress that we are all carrying and expected still to fucking work, to fucking live, right? We are not safe anywhere. You heard in my conversation with Dr. Basil Smichel when he said inside of this black skin, this black body for the first time in my entire life, I do not feel safe in this country. And that says a lot, knowing what this country has done historically and in present day to black people. But I have to echo what he said for the first time in my life as a black queer woman, child of immigrants that lives inside of this black female body, I do not feel safe. That begins to wear on you emotionally and physically. What do I say to you all the time on this show that if we don't find ways, healthy ways of creating ease, then what we set ourselves up for is dis-ease right? Disease. And I feel right now so sick because I'm tired. I'm tired of having the same conversations with really brilliant people who aren't the ones that are actually in charge of getting shit done. No, that still falls in the hands of the Chuck Schumers and the Nancy Pelosi's and the Joe Bidens of the world that are 80 something year old fucking white people who have no idea what it is like to exist in the reality that the rest of us are living in because they have been, as I said earlier in the week, institutionalized. These are people that have been a part of the upper echelons of society and our politics for their entire lives. They don't know what it's like to go to the fucking grocery store. They don't know what it's like to have a car not pick you up because you are a person of color. 
They don't know what it's going to be like to have to figure out your patchwork of reproductive care. So they can sit around and pray about it and wag their fingers and think that they're actually doing something when they're not doing dick. And then when you realize, when you realize that the people that are actually responsible for ensuring your safety and well-being in this country are so completely and totally fucking out of touch with the fascism that is so steadily on the rise and have no strategy, no policies in which to combat it, except for Hakeem Jeffries to tweet earlier in the week that, oh, the House is going to pass an anti-white extremism bill. Great. And my retweet was, and what is it going to do in the fucking Senate? Not a goddamn thing. So do not tweet to me and tweet out to the world about what the House is doing if it's not lock and step with the Senate. Because what you are doing is just moving the chairs around on the fucking Titanic. That's what I feel like the House is doing. I don't care how many bills Nancy Pelosi wants to say that the House puts out. It doesn't mean anything. Action means something. The President of the United States going to Buffalo to go mourn with a a community that was tragically hit by white domestic terrorism is not action. They can go to their church for that, their mosque for that, their synagogues for that. They don't need the president of the United States to come for that. They need the president of the United States to get up on his bully pulpit and tell the fucking world that the Republican Party is a white extremist fucking cult and is dangerous. And if we do not hold on to power We are going the way of Hungary, going the way of Brazil, going the way of these countries that have had right-wing fascist leaders who believe in democracy, but the people's votes no longer matter. And somehow the people that are most marginalized just happen to disappear around the country, never to be heard from again. If you think that that type of shit can't happen in the United States of America, you're not paying attention and also you don't know anything about history. It is so troubling to exist inside of this weird bubble right now where you have some people that care so much and are absolutely paralyzed by fear. Then you have those that are in power that don't care enough and are not really grasping the urgency of the moment that we're living in. They're talking about elections like this last election cycle isn't literally the last election cycle. You see the, all of these right-wing people that won particularly the Republican gubernatorial candidate in Pennsylvania who was at the insurrection who believes in the big lie and who already said that Pennsylvania is a battleground state and he's going to ensure it to be Republican. Well, how can you ensure it to be Republican unless you were throwing out people's fucking votes? But you see, he didn't want to call foul on the results of the midterm election, the results of the primary just now. He's waiting in. Oh no, that election seemed to have been all good and fine because he fucking won. But do you see Democrats using these people's own words? Oh, you don't believe in elections and the elections are clearly corrupt, but only corrupt when you lose. Got it. I'm just tired. I'm just tired. 
that's it. I am just, I'm tired. And so you will hear in the conversation that I have today with Jonathan, you know, that he even says at the end, you know, we'll be better, you know, next week because we literally just don't have it in us. And, you know, there are days and I apologize. There are days when I have the energy and the fight to go all day. And then there are days like today when I am struggling to make it through the recording of this show without bursting into tears because I do not have solutions. And that is what is killing me. That I don't have solutions to offer you all. All I have to say is that some days are harder than others. And on those days, we give ourselves and each other the grace that we need to be able to re-energize, recharge, and head back out. And so today I'm asking for you all, as I did not do Woke Wednesday yesterday because I'm just out of steam. I'm out of steam this week. Um, and so I just ask for your grace and understanding. Um, we will get through this. I will get through this. We will get through this together. Um, coming up next, my conversation with our friend, Dr. Jonathan Metzel. The Damage Report with John Idarola is one of the most popular shows on the TYT network that serves as your daily breakdown of the genuine threats and challenges facing our country and world. These days, we're confronted with an overwhelming sea of shocking, confounding, and devastating news stories. The Damage Report is your life raft, helping you navigate the day's news and understand the damage caused by the corrupt establishment, politicians, corporations, and everything in between. Join the Damage Report's notorious fan club, The Dragon Squad, where you become part of a fantastic community of progressives. Create a fun dragon nickname that fits your personality, collaborate, and participate in fun activities like voting for, the garbage person of the week, and much more. Listen to The Damage Report on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. There, I want to tell you about another podcast I think you'll love. The Brown Girl's Guide to Politics, hosted by Ashanti Goler, the president of Emerge. BGG is the one-stop shop for women of color who want to hear and talk about the world of politics. Join Ashanti this season as she talks to incredible women of color who are changing the face of politics and tackling some of the most important issues facing the United States. From reproductive justice to voting rights to climate change and more. Tune in every Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts. Folks, you know that when it is Wednesday, we have the good fortune of being joined by our friend, in-house doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzel, author of the book, Dying of Whiteness. Um, Jonathan, this is the start to another crazy week uh, in America where we're all living on edge. And why are we living on edge? Because we have a political party that is morphed into a fascist white supremacist breeding ground and is so entwined and invested in death 
um, that people can't go to the grocery store, can't walk down the street, can't go to a movie theater, can't shop, can't live, right, in this supposed land of the free. I watched yesterday as a CNN reporter who was on the ground in Buffalo, black man, I can't remember his name at this time. And he's a reporter, so he's supposed to be neutral. He started crying because he said, I don't know how we are supposed to live like this. How many more times I'm going to have to sit with families? How many more times Democrats are going to say it's about guns? Republicans are going to say it's about mental health. And he said, and you know what? Nothing is going to happen. Where do we go, Jonathan? Like, what do you make of this frightening place that we are in? It's a terrifying moment, just to be honest. I mean, I, I it's funny, but I had a very similar reaction myself, um, both because of just the violence of daily life. I mean, the fact that there's so much fear about just living, right? I mean, when people can't go to the supermarket or can't go to church or can't whatever without looking over their shoulder and, and the version of the reality is for people who, I mean, I, I know a lot of people on the very, very pro gun side of this and their answer is always, well, people should carry a gun and therefore they would have the right to protect themselves. But like, I don't know. I don't think what, what's the world going to look like if everybody can carry a gun like when, when you go jogging or when you go to the supermarket or every time you go to worship, it's just a, we, it's a, it's a very depressing world to think that we're on guard for violence all the time. Um, and, and so, but, and so I guess, I guess when I have to think constructively, I mean, let me just talk about Groundhog Day for a second. I went back to interview questions because I've been doing interviews pretty much night and day since, since the shooting. And, 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 I, and I try to give every interview my, my best shot, right? Like, here's where we can go. But I look back at the interviews I did after Sandy Hook and after El Paso, just mm -hmm. for the heck of it. And I, I'm getting asked like the exact same questions I was getting asked 10 years ago. Um, like it's the, the sense of like repetition as things keep getting worse is so deep. It's so profound. Um, and so I guess the, the most important point I think people should take away from what's happening right now is that the reason nothing's happening is because of elections, which lead to people put in power who then seat judges who then don't do anything um, except for make this happen. And so the answer at this moment, I mean, maybe, maybe that won't be an option going forward, but it really is, if you're in Pennsylvania, you should be spending even eight hours waiting in line to vote. If you are in wherever, wherever's voting right now, because so much of this issue of violence and particularly about gun policy is set by judges. And the reason we're in this hole, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, right? You know, we Merrick Garland blocking and RBG dying two weeks too soon and all these kind of factors. But ultimately, it's a question of the judiciary. And so if we want things to change, we actually have to win elections and seat judges and overturn some of this stuff. And to me, that's like, honestly, the only answer. And so I don't, I don't know. I don't know where we go from here, except to say like, this thing is such a literalizing of everything we've been going through. I mean, we started with Sandy Hook 
in, in this space and said, how could we, when, I mean, just, there's no mystery right now. We have a 180 page manifesto laying out for us what the stakes are. And so. But, you know, here's the thing to me too, about the conversations that are being had. Um, because once again, you know, I, I, I understand news, right? I do news and I see these reporters, you know, putting together these segments that are talking about gun violence as a whole, that are talking about how many shootings took place, you know, over last weekend. And I'm saying to myself, to me, that's not the conversation. And that that's just me as a black person that is now becoming increasingly fearful of my movements, right? Com increasingly concerned about if I'm if I'm I'm in New York, I'm taking the subway, people are being pushed off of subway platforms and beaten and stabbed and robbed, right? This is not the same thing as a uh, a white terrorist driving 200 miles doing reconnaissance on a black neighborhood for a day and a half before opening fire and shooting an 86-year-old black woman in the fucking head. Like there is a difference between what happened in Buffalo at Topps Grocery and what happens on a regular basis in this gun-happy culture that we live in. And so why do you think that there is a consistent melding that happens? Because <clears throat> barring a 180-page manifesto, which pretty much reads like any segment on Fox News, any like any of the candidates, Republican candidates that are running for office, they say the same goddamn thing. So if the Republican Party wants to come out and talk about mental health, then what they are saying is that they are all unfucking well, right? Because this is not fringe, the ideas that were in this manifesto. It's birth rates. It's replacement theory. It's, um, you know, women belong in this place. Black people are replacing us. It is all of these things that is a steady diet of this party. And so why do you think then when everything is laid out very clear that this, the danger here is white extremism and it's unabated rise in this country. And then coupling that with toxic masculinity and our gun culture, why aren't we having that conversation? It, it, you know, the issue with it, I, I, I agree completely. I mean, um, anti-black hate crimes are rising. We've seen rise of even justifiable quote unquote, I mean, think about the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, for example, and things like that. Like the idea of basically, um, the idea of this kind of militancy is, it's, it's, I mean, in this case, obviously it's mass murder, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's really, Danielle, where do we go from the conversation, right? What happens next? What are your alternatives right now? And so does this mean that we all need to run out and buy guns? Um, that would be great for the gun manufacturers. Does it mean that we should try to take back over the judiciary? Does it mean we should stop showing up and participating? Like, I guess the question for me is like, when it's so gratuitous, I mean, it's so, mm -hmm. it's so gratuitous. It's so obvious. It's so clear. And right wing media is working overtime to turn this into a white victim narrative, narrative, which Tucker Carlson is now doing saying they're coming for our guns and you can't express yourself and all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, so you can express, so his idea of expressing yourself is through murder. 
he yeah, wanted I mean, look, he wanted look, Peyton to be able to express <laughs> himself through through murder like that. And again, like I say that flippantly because I'm so fucking tired of mainstream media not saying the truth. Right. Yeah. Like I, I'm I I said this yesterday. I say it all the time. Tucker Carlson and Fox News are a threat to national security. If you don't get that, then you are not paying attention to what these violent people are writing, are saying, are posting in chat rooms, are creating manifestos around. Like they're getting this from one from one place. Um I guess the important thing to know is that it's a great time to be them, right? In other words, like even with stuff like this, like they're seizing power at every level possible. I mean, and so in a way I don't know. There, there's just imagine the other side has no shame about this. <laughs> you know, that's kind of I think about it like it's it, in a way it's a it's a model of power. And so what's our response to a model of power? We talked about this a couple of months ago. Um, and uh, I don't know. It's it's just like it, it's literally a takeover, an invasion. And so what what's what's the response at this at this moment? And so I don't know. It's I, you can hear the frustration in my voice right now <laughs> um, because. I still want to believe that we can overturn this in through legal, peaceful means in, in terms of elections and things like that. But it's just when, when there's not a coming together um, after something like this, where it's so obvious, it's kind of like, what, what do you do next? <laughs> and so, yeah, it's a, it's a hard moment. It's a hard moment. But you know, the, my problem too, is that, we cont- we continue to have hard moments. I don't know yeah. when the last time we had a, when we had an easy moment was twenty right like twenty thirteen. Yeah. Okay. So it's like it's been one hard moment after one hard moment, one shooting after one shooting, one police killing after one police killing. Um, you know, they have the audacity on the right to refer to anybody that believes in LGBTQ equality as a groomer or a pedophile. And I said yesterday, why do we not talk about the Republican Party as groomers for white supremacists? They yeah. are literally creating fertile ground for the birth of Kyle Rittenhouse's and Peyton uh, Gendron's and all uh, Dylan Roof's like they are creating the fertile ground for that. So how do we not say you are grooming white supremacists. You are grooming violent domestic terrorists, right? Like, and again, it's Democrats that also have us here. Am I wrong? Because it isn't just saying to the people you need to vote because we do vote. We vote at historic levels, but Democrats betray us every single time. Am I, am I, am I wrong here? Is it just Republicans that have been blocking our ability to live free and safe? No, 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 you're not wrong. I mean, the, the um, n- yeah, I don't know. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. Um, and you tell me where we go from here. Like, what's the answer for where we, where do we go from here? I mean, to the quote thing, MLK. The, the, the honest, the honest thing uh, for me is that I don't see a lawful voting path to get this country back on track. I do not. That only a lawful voting path requires two political parties to adhere to the same set of rules and laws. That's how functional societies work. 
When you have one of the two political parties that no longer adhere to the Constitution, that no longer adhere to the rule of law, or appointing judges so that they can drastically reshape and reimagine what law, what is lawful in this country, which is the subjugation of marginalized communities and forcing them to live in a state of apartheid, Jim Crow, you know, uh, a fascist regime. I don't see a, a, an easy, viable, uh, lawful path here. And I say that, and let me tell you something, I have yet to be wrong and I'm not patting myself on the back because I wish that America would prove me wrong. I wish that I would be wrong about the fact that after Newtown, I said that if you're not going to do anything for a classroom of first graders that were mowed down with an assault rifle and you can't come up with legislation then, then no one else matters. Because if a group of white children in an affluent fucking area get gunned down in their classroom while coloring and you do nothing as government officials, then no one else matters. So I, I, you know, where do we go? Where do we go from here? I'm worried. I'm really, really worried and fearful because I do believe that people are going to begin to arm up. Those of us who did not believe in guns, who did not want those, you know, automations of death and violence in our homes are going to feel like we have no choice. Yeah, I mean, in that space, there are, I mean, not not in any way to get away from this story. I mean, after we talk, as I was saying before, I have 17 more interviews about the shooting. Um, it's it's just on feedback loop in a certain kind of way, trying to get the word out in a particular way today and tomorrow and Friday. Um, but But I would also say that there are a couple of big stories that I think people should be following in relation to this that are not in any way moving away from the story of, of Buffalo, which I think we need to hold on to. Um, but as we've talked about here, the Supreme Court is risking overturning New York's gun laws. That ruling is going to mm-hmm. come down pretty soon here, I think. And so there's a Supreme Court ruling that is going to lead to many more guns coming to a place like New York. And so the Supreme Court decision is going to just enable this to happen more, I think. And so partially there's the Supreme Court ruling that's going to overturn the modern gun control movement, I think. Um, And then something big also happened yesterday. I don't know if you saw this, but um, the uh, New York York redivided the congressional maps uh, across New York State to make all the districts much more competitive. In other words, while red states are gerrymandering and and getting squeezing out as many um, house seats as they possibly can, the um, the New New York State is basically making like Hakeem Jeffries, for example, his seat is not going to be safe anymore, and some of the big leaders and stuff like that. And so, I don't know. The, the whole system just feels tilted against Democrats and against any of these issues right now. And so I agree with you. I don't know if voting is <laughs> the issue, but I don't, I don't know what else yeah. happens. I mean, it's a, it's a bad time. It's a really bad time. It's a really bad time. And I just, you know, I guess that my, I have reached a, a new level that I didn't even think that I could have of frustration, of disgust, um, of, and, and frankly, I, again, I'm not surprised at Republicans. We've all known who these people are. We have known, they have told us, you know, how they are moving, what they believe in, what their vision is, and they are actualizing it 
one election, one local election at a time. And again, Democrats are looking around like, oh my God, we're, we're going to lose Roe having had no plan for the thing that your political opponents have been using as a battering ram for 50 years. Right? Like, so again, I, I can't just look at Republicans because I don't expect them to be better than they are. I don't expect them to come to the table and give a shit about the people of this country who are not white and cis and hetero and Christian. I do not believe that they could give a damn. Right? So it's like, if, if you know that, then what is the opposition doing? And, and, and also, you know, as we've been talking about, and we'll, we'll be back on our A-game next week. I mean, I feel like we're both so despondent right now. Um, but, but I feel like, what's our theory of power, right? I mean, we're marching, we're protesting, but what's our theory of power? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like that so much goes back to that. Like, what, what is our what is our, like the Republicans suck, but they have a theory of power. That's how they got here. It's a 50 year plan. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. Protest is not a theory of power. It's a theory of protest. And so, I don't know. There's anger about this. There's anger about abortion. There's anger about these things. But what what's the strategy of using that anger to take power in a zero sum political system. And I honestly don't know the answer to that. That's kind of what my frustration is. What's, what's the bigger strategy? Um, I, I don't, and I think, you know, it's funny cause you and I talked about it months ago, <laughs> like what's the strategy um, beyond just voicing dissent. And I yep. don't, I don't know what it is. I honestly don't know what it is, but that, you know, we will leave it here today. But that's where I'd like to pick up next week is thinking about what is the theory of power, right? Because marching, protesting, wagging fingers, it is not it, right? And, that is that 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 is momentary. And as I will argue till the end of time, arming Democrats is not a theory of power either. That's playing right into the other side's theory of power, right? Arming Democrats is not going to lead to equality. It's you know it's going to lead to the other side then getting more and better guns. And so I just don't think that that is a viable strategy either that plays right into some of their bad stuff. And I have a lot of data to show that. So Jonathan, all I can say is be well. Yeah. Hang in there. Stay safe. Hang in there. Good luck with all of your interviews and trying to do the Lord's work of spreading some type of truth alarm wake up call i don't know um but this country needs something and i don't know what that something is yeah but well, as always we'll we appreciate you okay take care it's no secret that the news is horse pill hard to swallow. Thankfully, there's the Bituation Room podcast hosted by comedian and commentator Francesca Friorentini for a lighter take on the heavy stuff. Each week, the Bituation Room brings you progressive comedians, experts, and activists to break down the issues in a way that won't just leave you crying under a weighted blanket. Get the Bituation Room on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and streaming on YouTube and Twitch. That is it for me today here, friends, on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Appreciate you. Truly. 
right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com.